how the New Orleans Saints newly appointed wide receiver coach could help them correct something that they've struggled with over the past few seasons. Mock Draft Monday is back to help reload the offense and how the issues around the NFL Combine could impact teams with new coaches like the New Orleans Saints. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation and Huda family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks as always, making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that we are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked On NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. Today's episode of Locked On Saints is brought to you our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with all the props, odds, and lines that you need. Visit Bet Online today, where the game starts. Big news for the New Orleans Saints today, as this morning the news broke that they hired Cody Burns, wide receiver coach from the uh, University of Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee Volunteers. We know the New Orleans Saints have a very close—I don't know necessarily so much about a close relationship, but. They like their Tennessee volunteers, right? Alvin Kamara, Nick Cole, uh, you know, uh, you've got guys like Marquez Calloway, of course, Bry- uh, Bryce Thompson. They've liked their Tennessee volunteers a ton. And now Cody Burns, former wide receiver coach of the Tennessee volunteers, now wide receiver coach of the New Orleans Saints, of course, taking over for a longtime wide receiver coach, Curtis Johnson, who has moved on from this offseason. Now, what is it that Cody Burns brings you? Well, he's got a lot of experience, even as a co-offensive coordinator for the Tennessee volunteers. For a little while, he split that responsibility with a uh, wide receiver coach. He ended up also taking wide receiver coach and passing game coordinator for a while. Actually, that was with Auburn. My apologies. He did that with Auburn first. And then he's only had one year with the Tennessee Volunteers 2021. And he did some great things. You look at a guy like Cedric Tillman, who had three catches for 67 yards in his redshirt sophomore year. He jumped into his redshirt junior year with, Ced- uh, excuse me, with Cody Burns. And ended up with uh, over 60 catches for 1,081 yards in 12 touchdowns. So he had a huge jump, huge boost. And some of that, of course, is on Cedric Tillman. But of course, Cody Burns played a role in that. He also played a role in the jump for a guy like Vellis Jones Jr., who is draft eligible this year. We're going to talk more about him in a moment. But he had himself a nice leap as well, going from just over 20 catches and uh, over 200 yards to now over 800 yards, the only player in the nation with over 800 receiving yards, over 200 punt return yards, and over 600 kick return yards. This should all be ringing a lot of bells for you. And when you hear his height and weight, then you're really going to be on this guy as well. But even before that, right, when he was with Auburn, working with guys like Seth Williams, who we liked a lot here on the podcast, uh, guys like Anthony Schwartz, who we also liked a lot uh, on the show, uh, Darius Slayton, who went on and has had a nice career so far in New York, as best as a wide receiver can have with the Giants, right? And so you look at what has been sort of the best piece of the track record for Cody Burns, and it's been development. And what have we been talking about so far all offseason when it comes to bringing in all of these uh, new coaches? Yes, continuity was a big part of it, of course, but also development, right? Can you bring in these guys that can develop talent? And can you bring in these guys that are going to add an emphasis to the position? This is where Coach Burns, now wide receiver coach of the New Orleans Saints, has the opportunity to really, really impact this franchise, which is as he's coming in, young 33-year-old coach who sees where the NFL is going, knows where the NFL is heading, 
maybe he's going to be the guy to help to push a little bit more on the idea of drafting a wide receiver and investing at the wide receiver spot. That's where he can make a big difference. Now, if he comes in and operates with the status quo, just like everybody seems to want to here and doesn't want to push the envelope in, you know, to, to bolster his guys, bolster his room, then, you know, you just kind of have to sit back and hope that he can develop guys that he has, you know, uh, that, that he has in his room, right? Marquez Calloway, Deontay Hardy now, uh, and, and a few others. But really what you want to see out of this is for him to come in and make a push to say, hey, we need to invest in the wide receiver spot. And I'm hoping that Pete Carmichael does the same thing. I'm hoping Dennis Allen does the same thing. But when you have the wide receiver coach that's willing to sit there and pound the table and that's willing to sit there and really argue in favor of his guys and in favor of the guys that he likes, then maybe that will be something that will help out. And there's a late round guy here in Vellis Jones Jr. that, you know, that, that coach, uh, coach Burns spent last year with at Tennessee that I mentioned just a moment ago that could be a good fit for the New Orleans Saints. Six foot, 200 pounds. He hits the thresholds exactly. Mentioned the idea of him being multiple as a punt returner, a kick returner, as well as somebody that had over 800 receiving yards last year for the team. So if the Saints decide that they want to invest in wide receiver early, but then want to come back and double dip at wide receiver late, then Vellis Jones Jr. could be one of those guys. And then if he goes undrafted, then you feel a little bit more comfortable bringing him in as an undrafted free agent, as long as you've invested in the position either in free agency or earlier in the draft, then you have another guy that your wide receiver coach, who's a good developer, is familiar with to go ahead and help to develop as an undrafted free agent. And you have a guy like Marquez Callaway, of course, who has similar ties. They didn't overlap at all at UTK, but they've got similar ties. And I think that that certainly doesn't go for nothing. Now, the next thing you're going to be wondering is, Ross, is this a good hire? Fact of the matter is that we'll have to wait and see, right? We're going to have to wait and see if he is going to help to put an emphasis on the wide receiver spot, how the wide receivers perform, who have played down over the course of the past few seasons. Some of that being because of the lack of investment at the position by the team. You're hoping that Michael Thomas is able to come back to help to bolster all of that, open up the field for other players, everything, hopefully come back to even 80% of his best. The New Orleans Saints, I think, would absolutely love to have, right? And so I think that it does become a little bit of a wait and see here. But I can see the vision, right? You can see where it is that the Saints are looking at this and saying, this is a good fit. We see how this works. We see what this can be. And then he'll be somebody to watch too. I mean, to get this position, his first NFL position, by the way, as a coach at 33 years old, that's pretty good. I just turned 32 like a week ago, 10 days ago, <laughs> you know? And so I think that that's pretty good for him. And so somebody to watch over the course of the future, but it's going to be a wait and see game about whether or not this is a good hire, but you can see where it is at the New Orleans Saints. Uh, think that this can certainly work out. And double dipping at wide receiver is something that we've talked about a bunch, particularly when it comes to the uh, the NFL draft. And it is Monday, and we don't have any other big coaching news at the moment. So we get an opportunity to bring Mock Draft Monday back. I did a seven-round Mock Draft for you. We'll go through it pretty quickly here in just a moment. We're going to double dip at wide receiver and focus on rebuilding the offense, offensive line, tight end, everything. We're going to hit all of it as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. But before we get to that, it's that time that you're usually starting to give up on all of your New Year's resolutions, right? We're late into February. It's almost March already, believe it or not. 2022 is flying by. And of course, it's going to fly by even faster with there not being any football on Sundays. That was a weird last weekend. But when it comes down to maintaining that New Year's resolution, I want to make sure that Built Bar is a part of your plans, especially also the Built Puffs, which are these marshmallowy, super sweet tasting, really phenomenal bars that have, let's see, let's look at a couple flavors here. They've got cinnamony churro flavor. They've got a coconut marshmallow. They've got banana cream pie. How can you even pass that stuff up? You're talking about marshmallows that are infused with protein. I don't know how they did it. 
but they did it. And it's all covered, of course, in 100% chocolate as well. But you're still only getting four or five grams of sugar, or you're getting 17, 18 grams of protein. And they have all of the other flavors that you already know and love, like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, so on and so forth, as well as now also a mouthwatering white chocolate cookies and cream that you can get in on as well. But don't just take my word for it. I know what you're thinking. Oh, that all sounds delicious, Ross, but how does it taste? Well, they taste amazing. Go and try them for yourself over at Built.com. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at Built.com. That is 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day every day. Make sure you're following along with the Locked on NFL channel, all the local experts that are giving you the national perspective from the local angle in less than 30 minutes every day. You can find it wherever you get your podcast, as well as on YouTube, which has a bunch of other content for you as well. Locked on today, Locked on now, a whole bunch of stuff going on. All right, so we're looking at our seven-round mock draft. We're going to go through this pretty quickly, keep it to one segment, keep it nice and tight, because some of these names you've heard before, but I want to highlight some of the names that we haven't gotten to talk about very much. So we're going to start off here, uh, no trades or anything like that. We're just making the selections as we go through. We use the TDN, um, the, the TDN simulator for this one, just so everybody knows. So going through here, starting off in round one, pick number 18 grabbed wide receiver Chris Olave out of Ohio State University. Some people would want to go with Jamison Williams. Some people would want to go with Garrett Wilson. And to that, I say yes. Yes, all of that is also correct, right? There's no wrong receiver to take in the first round at 18 if they're all available. Just grab one and sprint as quickly as you can to the training facility to get them there and get them started to work and fold it into this offense. I don't care which one you take, just take one at 18 if you can. And if there's not a better prospect there, like some crazy fall or something like that, which can happen. It happens every year. Uh, all right, next up and the second round, pick 49. I went with Fedarian Mathis, Phil Mathis out of Alabama, interior defensive line. The focus of this particular mock draft was to rebuild the offense, but I couldn't pass up the value of a penetrating, very explosive three-tech to five-tech type of guy, a lot of versatility on the defensive line. You need that right now. It's probably the spot on the defense that is maybe in the most need, right? I, I, depending on what happens with Marcus Williams, maybe the safety spot ends up being that spot, but interior defensive line needs some help. Not going to be mad at the Saints for investing there early, even in the first round if they go with like a you know, one of the guys out of Georgia, for instance. So I wouldn't be terribly mad at that, but he's a wide receiver. Um, next up, pick 100. We got Jake Ferguson, the tight end out of Wisconsin. He's probably my favorite, uh, uh, or him and Jer Jeremy Ruckert really are my two favorite tight ends in this draft class. Both of them seam stretchers, both of them great blockers. I like Jeremy Ruckert because he's really experienced in split zone action, the split zone action in which the tight end will line up on one side of the field and then peel back to the backside of the play behind the line of scrimmage to make a block on an unblocked defender going away from the way that the play is actually going. And the Saints run this quite a bit. They like it a lot. They like it with Taysom in particular. So I like the idea of Jeremy Ruckert. But if you're more focused on passing, right, you get Jameis Winston back, for instance. Jake Ferguson is a great, great weapon to have, and he's a good blocker as well. Uh, next up at pick 118, I went with cornerback out of Cincinnati, Kobe Bryant. Um, look, corner is not going to be a huge need for the New Orleans Saints, and it feels so good to say that, but Paulson Adebo really worked out last year. We'll see what the Saints do with Bradley Roby if they want to restructure his contract, extend him, knock that $10 million salary cap hit down. If they cut Bradley Roby, then you're probably looking at a cornerback either 
a cheap veteran in, I don't want to say cheap, excuse me, an affordable veteran in, um, in free agency, or you're looking at, you know, a draft guy that can come in and rotate in, right? That can be a piece. And Kobe Bryant can absolutely be that for you. But what I also like about Kobe Bryant is his versatility, right? He's somebody that can play in the slot, can play outside, probably better outside than in the slot, but can also play safety, can also play in the box, like can do a couple of different things for you. He's a good tackler, so on and so forth. So I like Kobe Bryant being a guy to get into the mix, whether you need another corner or not. And again, if Bradley Roby ends up getting cut, it's not because of salary cap need. It's because they couldn't get his cap hit down and there's not really any reason to pay a guy $10 million to play like at most 30% of snaps. Next up, we go local offensive tackle, pick 136 in this one. Max Mitchell out of Louisiana can play left tackle, can play right tackle. You could probably slide him inside if you need to. He's athletic. He's big. He's strong. He can move. He does a lot of stuff for you. And to be able to get an offensive tackle that you can develop and feel really comfortable with at this point in the draft, like Max Mitchell, I think is a great, great opportunity for the Saints. So if he's on the board or maybe if like uh, a Dice is on the board who or Dish, excuse me, who'd be coming out of Arizona State, if I remember correctly, those guys that are, you know, a little bit more athletic than they are, you know, true uh, pass protectors, even though they can do that. But, you know, if they're true pass set protectors, that's nice. But if they have the mobility and if they can, you know, boot, scoot and boogie and they can get around the uh, the corners and all the other stuff, then I think you really like that in this New Orleans Saints offense, especially one that focuses on zone running so much, even though they they kind of shifted to man blocking last year because of the absences on the offensive line. I think if you can get a guy like Max Mitchell, it helps to bolster your depth a little bit. And he becomes a potential developmental future guy for you. Next up at 160, I went with Appalachian State wide uh, linebacker DeMarco Jackson. No relation. I didn't take him because he has the last name Jackson. I took him because I got to watch him at the Senior Bowl and I thought he impressed. He had a couple of um, reps that didn't go his way, but he had a lot more that went his way, particularly in game situations, right? As opposed to one-on-one situations when they were doing 11-on-11 drills. And even in the game, he had some nice plays. But he was a great pass rusher coming from the second level. That was something that I really liked. If you lose a guy like Quan Alexander and you want somebody that can step in and be a little bit more of a blitzer, and maybe you're comfortable with Pete Werner in coverage and he's developed there over the course of the offseason, DeMarco Jackson could be that guy that can bring some heat from the second level for you. Next up, I stuck on the offensive line. Like I mentioned, we're trying to rebuild the offense here. Going with Jatire Carter out of Southern, right? Keep the boy at home. Keep him in New Orleans, keep him in the Big Easy, uh, and go ahead and bring him in. And I, I like the idea of what he does. I mean, he's somebody that has won a lot of reps. He anchors really well, has really good, um, really good leverage, really good anchor point. He sinks really well. He's got a great first punch. He's really somebody that'll play through the whistle, all that. A lot of the qualities that you like in a tenacious guy. And he's a scrappy dude. Like he's one of those guys that's going to be coming in from an HBCU that maybe isn't getting the attention that he should be getting, or maybe isn't getting the attention that he would be getting from a power five school or something like that if he was performing with the same level of production. And so he's somebody that's going to want to get it from the mud. And I think you like that type of personality within this New Orleans Saints offense. And then finally, late, late, late pick 234. I went with Samori Torre, the wide receiver out of Nebraska. Big, long, has some speed, good field stretcher. He's able to make some good face catches. He's able to go up for the ball, uh, high point it, do, does really well in that area of the game. This could be a place where Bellis Jones Jr. potentially drops and stuff like that too, to where you potentially see that as somebody that comes in and brings you some return ability. I think the opportunity for somebody that can be a little bit more multiple is important in this situation, but bringing in another wide receiver and a second wide receiver in the draft, hopefully already having brought one in in free agency, I think is an absolute must for the New Orleans Saints this offseason. Okay, we did it. There we go. Rebuilding the offense in one mock draft, right? So let me know what you think about this, and I'll post it up on Twitter as well. Jamison Williams, Phil Mathis, Jake Ferguson, Kobe Bryant, Max Mitchell, DeMarco Jackson, Jatire Carter, and Samori Torre. 
I like this draft a lot. Interested to hear what you have to say about it. And now the draft is going to be a little bit more potentially complicated this year. And we've already seen this over the course of the recent past, but some things going on with the NFL combine that we should discuss because it could immediately impact a team like the New Orleans Saints that's going to have a new coaching staff effectively uh, walking into 2022. So let's talk about that and why you should care about what's going on with the NFL Combine right now as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. But before we get to that, it gives me an opportunity here to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, the easiest, fastest, and bestest place. Place all of your bets. Our exclusive online betting partners here at the Locked On Podcast Network. They're the number one spot for all of your betting needs this offseason. And just because football is over doesn't mean anything. You still got both pro and college hoops that are making sure that you've got something to look forward to and that are getting you all taken care of. So from the latest odds, totals, player performances, your player performance props, as well to all the information and podcast and analysis that you need. BetOnline.net is the place for you to go. And hey, even if you're not into basketball or betting basketball, they've also got hockey, they've got boxing, UFC, you got a bunch of odds right now for some Olympics coverage before that all wraps up. So there's a ton for you to check out. So head over to the website today, newly designed for your uh, desktop or mobile device. Don't miss all of the trends and action over at BetOnline.net where the game starts. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a quick look at the NFL Combine. A lot of news coming out around the NFL Combine that you should be interested in, especially as somebody that loves loves the New Orleans Saints, right, who have a brand new head coach. And when you look at what's going on with the NFL Combine, this could cause some issues for franchises with new head coaches or franchises with new coaching staffs. You look at the Jacksonville Jaguars who just redid their entire coaching staff under Doug Peterson. Lots of good decisions over there, by the way. Uh, But you look at what it is that the combine is going through and, and let's talk about how it impacts these teams. So what's happening with the combine right now? The, what, what the NFL is trying to do is that it's trying to institute kind of a bubble policy, right? In which you have all of these guys that basically can go from their room to a place, to their room, to a place, right? It's a little bit more limited in terms of their ability to be able to go out and engage and things like that. Only able to bring one athletic trainer with them it really limits what they do, not just from like the personal standpoint, but it limits from what they do in terms of the, 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 the need to be able to prepare for what it is that you're about to do. And I, I think when you look at what it is that these prospects already go through with the combine, it's already tough, right? Talk to Troy Vincent while we were all over at Super Bowl Radio Row, and he and I were talking a little bit about how the, the, the way that this can all shift to be more proactive, more of a positive experience for the players that are there, because right now it's not entirely a positive experience for players that are working out and that are competing effectively, right? That are trying to set themselves up for their future via the NFL combine. And so it, there are some things that are going to be changing over time. And right now we might be seeing one of the biggest shifts in the NFL combine than we've ever seen before, because the NFL PA is getting involved, basically saying that they're going to boycott any workouts, any, uh, basically just do medicals, and they'll boycott interviews, they'll boycott workouts, they'll boycott on-field drills, everything, if they don't get rid of this weird bubble policy that they're trying to go through. And the bubble thing is is interesting because we've had the Senior Bowl, we've had the Shrine Bowl, we've had the Collegiate Bowl, we've had the NFLPA Bowl, we've had the, uh, that's actually the Collegiate Bowl, sorry, but we've also just had the Legacy Bowl for HBCU, and there was no need for any of this. There was no need for bubbling and all of it. It wasn't necessary. So why the NFL is all of a sudden doing this is really strange. And that's one of the things that you're hearing in terms of the argument against the bubble policy is that, hey, 
these kids have taken care of themselves all throughout this offseason process thus far. What makes you think that all of a sudden being in like Indianapolis at this, you know, one of the most important points of their lives, right? Like this changes your draft stock, the NFL combine. And now you're making it more complicated for these players to be ready to have the athletic support that they need, to have the nutritional support that they need, to have the medical support that they need. Because of what? Why? To limit media? I I don't get it. Like, I don't understand what the actual scenario is here that made the NFL go, yeah, we got to bubble them. We got to bubble them. It's got to happen. So unless I'm missing something, and if I'm missing something, you're more than welcome to tell me. But obviously, whatever I'm missing, the entire NFL PA and all of the college prospects are also missing because I'm kind of on their side on this, if I'm being honest. Um, there's no reason to do this. And here's how it impacts teams, right? If the only thing that you're going to be able to do when it comes to the combine is go in and get medicals and maybe do some team interviews, what really are you getting there? Because you can do the medicals, you can do team interviews at your own facilities where franchises might actually feel more comfortable doing it themselves, right? Doing it more independently as opposed to doing it through the NFL and through the combine. And sort of this, you know, collection of doctors that does it for them effectively. So when it comes down to all of it, this makes things a little bit more complicated, right? The, the, the New Orleans Saints to just use them as an example. This is a New Orleans Saints show, by the way. <laughs> anyway, so when we use them as an example, you look at them going to the senior bowl without a head coach, right? You look at all these all star, all these all star games happening that have happened either without a head coach, without an offensive coordinator or without a defensive coordinator. There's an offensive coordinator now. There's a head coach now. Still waiting to figure out what's going to happen on defense. But now you get a wide receiver coach in place before the combine. Hopefully you can get a defensive coordinator in place before the combine. You've got your offensive line, your offensive coordinator, all of that. That's the time that you want to be ready to have everything good to go because you want to be able to see, okay, what are these players testing? How are they doing? What's happening with the on-field drills? Can you get time with them, right? Are you going to be able to interview them or are they going to, are they going to boycott the interviews as well? Like there's so many things here that make it so challenging, right? To see them not interact with the media, to see them not be in a situation to where they're testing and doing the thing that they have been preparing their entire lives to do. That makes things really tough. And so then you have to change your criteria of what it is that you're looking for in a prospect. And if you're a first-time coaching staff, you're developing that criteria for yourself for the first time. Now, the Saints do have a little bit of an advantage, right? They didn't make a change at GM along with making a change at head coach. They didn't lose their director of college scouting or their their assistant general manager in Jeff Ireland. They still have their pro personnel guy, of course, as well in Michael Parenton. So when it comes down to all of that, that is something that is helpful, but it still makes things a little bit more challenging to have to sort of develop this new lingo, not lingo, but develop this new criteria in a situation where you might not even have access to the criteria that you need because the NFL has decided to do this bubble thing, right? Now, the teams can still bring in players for pro days or excuse me, the schools can still bring in players for pro days. The teams can still bring in players for visits. Hopefully we get back to the, the old structure of visits, which had like the top 30 visits, the, you know, the, 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 the virtual visits, the in-person visits, all of that. And it's always great to see those top 30 visits is how we knew Caden Ellis was actually really on the Saints radar when they went to his pro day and then brought him in for a top 30, for instance. So it'd be great to get that structure back over the course of this offseason. But if we're looking at sort of the trend that's being set already by the NFL that's trying to bubble the combine for not really any reason, then I get a little bit concerned about what that means for the rest of the offseason and the way that that is supposed to work for these players and for these teams who have to get a look at these guys, right? They have to be in a situation to where they can get a full evaluation of what it is that they want to do. We know what the New Orleans Saints sort of 
prototypes are, what it is that they look for. Wide receivers, six foot, 200 pounds or more. Um, cornerbacks, six foot, 200 pounds or more. RAS scores across the board at plus nine. Uh, offensive linemen on the offensive tackle spot that'll be able to play in the interior. They like their versatility on the offensive line, but they also like tall offensive linemen. They like tall edge rushers like Marcus Davenport, like Peyton Turner, like um, Carl Granderson, like these guys that are a little bit bigger that can shift inside and out. They love their uh, speedy safeties, right? Like they, they're the rangy safeties, excuse me. They have a, oh, they're, they're 230 to 250 pound linebackers, right? They have their criteria. They have their prototypes. And it just gets harder and harder and harder to see those prototypes, to get those prototypes, or at least delays the process if you have to wait for pro days, if you have to wait for top 30 visits or, 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 you know, personal visits to your, to your team, to your facility. It just delays the process. And teams with new coaching staffs are going to be the ones that suffer the most there because it also delays them all getting on the same page, getting in lockstep with one another and being ready to go into the 2022 season with the best possible draft class that they can bring in. And that's what the NFL is causing trouble with. And of course, it impacts the New Orleans Saints. So we'll see how it all goes. I mean, I think that the NFLPA, many of these agents, many of these players being willing to boycott, I think makes a big difference. Let's see how that impacts and changes things as we move forward. One more piece of news that I just think is really interesting because I know that we have a lot of folks that listen that also really like these developmental leagues or these other leagues, USFL coming through, New Orleans Breakers, they have the eighth pick, the last pick in the first round, but they get to double back, which is nice. But the other league that's going to be coming back here soon is the XFL. And according to the XFL, they're collaborating with the NFL in order to create innovation opportunities, both on field and off of the field. So definitely something to take a look at, because this is really the first time that we have seen any type of official sort of connection between one of these spring leagues and the NFL. So definitely something to keep an eye on, because if the NFL was smart, they would turn the XFL into a bit of a farm league, into a developmental league. And they've been needing that for a long time. Hopefully this is kind of just that little seed that gets planted to help make all of that happen. All right, y'all, coming up tomorrow, of course, we'll keep you up to date with everything going on with your New Orleans Saints. We're also going to get to some of your questions. So if you have questions, we call it Twitter Tuesday, but I'll take questions from anywhere. You can go ahead and send them over to me, YouTube comments, Twitter, email, whatever, uh, so we can get in some of your questions. We'll pick five or so and then go through them throughout the day. Uh, and then we'll continue on all throughout the week. We'll get into midweek fundamentals. We'll get into our position reviews, continue those. We wrap up the offense, looking at the offensive line uh, and all of that as we continue on here throughout the week on Locked on Saints. As always, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. For your second listen, make sure you go and check out the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Ryan Tracy, as well as Eric Crocker, former NFL player, are going to be getting you ready for everything you need to know around the NFL Draft, mock drafts, uh, top five lists, everything that you need over there on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, which you can find free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. As always, y'all, for everything you need in between on your New Orleans Saints, between these episodes, you can find me on Twitter, Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. Trust you, that nation. I'll holler at you.